Revelation chapter 2 is where we're going to be out of this morning, and we're going to be going through the first church that is mentioned there, a very, uh, a church that's very close to my heart after just returning from Turkey and actually going to the place where Ephesus existed, where Selchuk is, the modern day Ephesus is there. There is nothing but rocks. There is no, no church there. But guys, I'll tell you what, there is a man of God who is preaching the gospel. And if they will just hear, they can be blessed. And in Ephesus, we, we know that, that there was a lot of things they did right. There were things they did wrong. But look here in, word, in the word what it tells us today. Revelation chapter 2 says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, The word of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for who you are. Your word is enough. God, we we come to you bowed down and humbled today, knowing that, Lord, when we walk away from you, there is no hope. But in Jesus, we have all hope. Apart from you, we have nothing. God with you, we have everything. God, I pray that we will listen to, Lord, this, this warning. God, I pray that it will quicken our spirits to, to understand that, God, if we have any area in our life that is lukewarm, God, I pray that you would, you would call us today to walk close to you, to return to that first love. And, and God, if there's people here today who may have never had the first love, God, I pray that you would call them to salvation today. It's the same for all of us. Whether we've been in the church for 50 years, or if this is our first day, God, the message of the gospel is the same. And we need you. God, I implore that you would speak to our hearts today. In your most holy name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I'm looking at all of this, and of course, you know, uh, if you have a a modern Bible, your letters are probably red, right? It's all from Jesus. These words are from the Lord himself, and he's speaking uh, to this church in Ephesus, which, by the way, when I was in Ephesus, that was the most beautiful archaeological site I'd ever been to in my life. The buildings, though, the way they've restructured everything, they, uh, it's just beautiful how they, they found all of that. But the tragedy in all of this is that it's just a museum now. It's just a museum. We went to places where, where, where people worshipped. We, we walked in the streets where Paul walked himself. We, we saw where Mary, um, where, where the hill that she lived on. We know where John, that he was there and he was writing things. A little book you guys might have heard of called The Gospel of John. <laughs> and of course, a little later, he was, he was put out to sea to a little island called Patmos. And on Patmos, he wrote the book of Revelation, what we're reading today. But the thing that we need to, to gather from this is that this is a warning not just to the church of that time, but it's a warning to you and I today too. We're not anything special. I know we're Americans. Let's go back. I know we're Okies, right? That's even better, right? I know we're these things. But what we really need to understand today is that it is in, blood, in the blood of Jesus alone that we have anything. If you don't know Jesus today, you don't know anyone. I don't, I don't care if you know the president. I don't care if you know Garth Brooks. I don't care if you know Toby Keith. I don't care who you know today. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know anybody. And Christ is speaking to this church in Ephesus because they had done a lot of things. They were doing a lot of things right, but, but they, needed to, they needed to change some things. I find a correlation with the church in Ephesus for sure with the modern day American church. There's a lot of things we're doing right. We do missions. There's no one in the world who does missions like Southern Baptists. There's no one. 
And I don't say that braggingly. I'm just saying, look at the numbers. Look at how many people we've sent out. Look at, look at what focus we have on missions around the world today. But look at our churches. We, we consistently meet. How, I wonder how many Sundays have been had in this very church here. I know we could probably figure it out, but it's, it's a big number, right? Over 100 years of meeting here, of lifting Jesus up. There's all these things we could say that we're doing well. And we're always looking for ways to serve more, right? We're looking for ways to, uh, to reach more people. Tonight, by the way, I, I encourage you to come back at 5 p.m. Uh, we're going to be in the West Building. We're, we're going to be looking at some opportunities that we may have here in our community, um, not just to come here and to worship, not just to come here and to say, oh, the music's good, or, you know, uh, the preacher's good, or, or maybe the, the opposite, preacher's not that good, the music's not that good, whatever. Uh, instead of coming here and maybe just complaining about temperatures, or uh, maybe the seats are too cold, or they're too soft, or they're too hard, whatever you may be thinking today, we need to get out of that box as Christians that we need to go out into our communities and to tell people about Jesus. I'm talking about getting our hands dirty. We're going to be talking a lot about that tonight, strategizing. What are we going to do this year? And I met with Daniel this week. He, man, he's got some great ideas. But the thing is, is we have to return to our first love in order for that to work. This, this church, they, had, they were doing a lot of great things. I mean, honestly, when you look at like everything that was going on here, they were doing some really great things. He even says that. But he says, you don't have love. You've walked away from the first love. And because of that, it really doesn't equal anything. It kind of takes me back to Corinthians, right? When Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he says, you can have all of this stuff. Faith, hope, and love, those are great. But, but what's the greatest? It's love, right? Love is the greatest. If we walk away from our first love, and maybe, and I think in my heart of hearts, I, I really believe what the problem is with the church in America today, and I'm not one of those preachers that's going to talk negative about the church because I believe the church is the bride of Christ, but I will say if there's something we can do better today is that we can have a heart of love even more. To step outside of tradition, to step outside of religion, I, I'm as proud of Baptists as there can be, but I'm, I'm a Christian before that. And what's really important is that your pastor not get up here and preach a, a 35, 45-minute sermon. What's really important is that your pastor spends time every week on his knees in prayer because it's all about loving Jesus. And to flip that around, what we need from our church people is not tithing. It's not uh, showing up and sitting in the pew. We need you to be people who really, really love Jesus. That's what the Lord desires. And we look here in this, this passage and we can kind of break it down like, well, what did they do right? What are some things that they did right? What's, what are some things that, that the church in Ephesus did right? They had works, no doubt. They had works. Um, the, the church in Ephesus, what's interesting, you can be walking through the ruins at Ephesus and understand that, that there's like Greek history there. Understand that in Ephesus that there's Roman history. You can see all the architecture. But we were walking along several times and in the dirt you could see pieces of rock that, and they had put the Cairo or the cross into the rock. So there was a Christian history in the city of Ephesus. But now it's just sitting in the dirt. Just sitting there. We, we could be guilty of the same thing, church. That we erect great big crosses. <laughs> I remember a few years ago in, in southeast Oklahoma, there was a big push. And I'm not against it, but, but stay with me here. There was a big push that on every courthouse lawn, they wanted to put the Ten Commandments. It's great, right? But honestly, the people that I knew that were pushing to get the Ten Commandments on every courthouse lawn were very terrible people when it came to how they treated others. There was no love in that. I mean, so much that, that, that there was a couple times when some courthouse lawns that the Ten Commandments were stolen or something like that, right? And the, the responses, the way that people responded to that was terrible. Shame on us as Christians for being that way. Because it all comes back to this word called love. They did all this stuff. The, the, the Ephesians, they, they, had a, uh, they, they, had a, they had a toil about them. They were busy. They endured patiently. They went through a lot of stuff. Uh, Ephesus was like a big center of, of, of money, of travel, of, of, of power. That there, there were other cities. I think it was Pergamum was kind of the, the capital at the time. But, but Ephesus had kind of taken over during periods of history where they were, the, they were like the powerhouse, you know? It's kind of, it reminds me in America, it's kind of like you've got New York, L.A., Dallas, right? McLeod, like all these great big metropolitan areas, right? That are kind of competing for, well, well, we have the movies and we have the money and we have, I don't know what Dallas has. I guess the Cowboys every now and then, you know, they've got all of this. Praise God the Cowboys 
or in the playoffs is all I'm saying. I just, oh, please don't disappoint me. Please don't disappoint me. I hope they don't. But all of this that we see, you know, that, that, we, we, that we imagine, that we can read, that we can understand that's going on in Ephesus, it's really going on here today too. We can be very busy. We can have everything going on. We can come together and say, you know what, we're going to do this, this, and this this year. There's a new ministry I'm wanting to start within our church. It basically has to do with dealing with grief. Um, that's some people call it grief share. We're, we're doing a, a thing called uh, Silver Linings. Um, it, it's a, from a pastor here in, in Oklahoma that I know, and, 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 and he just has a real heart for helping people who are going through loss. If you know anybody or if you are going through loss today, I want you just to keep your, keep your ears and eyes open because we're going to be starting those very soon. And I, I'm not doing it just so we can be busy. I mean, this is the idea of loving people. How, how many of y'all have lost someone? And, and I, I read this this past week that the average church reaches out to someone, if they reach out at all, who's lost someone, for about three weeks. That's it. Shame on us, right? We need to come around and love people when they've lost. We need to come around people and show them the love of Jesus. And, and, and again, it, it kind of comes back to that idea of love though, right? We can have a grief share group. We can have, we can have uh, all kinds of ministries going on. I mean, we really want to focus this year on doing like one, at least, at least one major evangelistic event in our community every month. Like I, that's a goal of mine. I really hope it kind of catches fire. And it's like every day, right? But all this has to come back to to love. What did they do right? They did a lot of things right, but at the heart of the matter, they missed the point. Why are you doing this? I was sad this week. I was reading a thread of, of Southern Baptist preachers, and, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the whole picture that was painted there, the, the question that came up was, well, I've got a person in, in you know, my financial part of my church who doesn't give to the church. And the response of the pastors was really telling to me. Because a lot of people in the, in the responses were like, well, you need to kick them out. You don't give, you don't participate. These are the responses I'm getting, I'm seeing on this page. Not once did I see someone say, pastor, quit worrying about what people give and preach the gospel. Didn't see that once. Joni's like, well, put it. I'm like, uh, it, it, it's just going to turn into this argument thing. Because we got this real big problem in the church today where, where people want to be right. They want to be the new thought, right? Well, here's a new thought that's not new. Love people and preach the gospel. If you preach the gospel and people are saved, the Holy Spirit will tell them how to give. I'm not going to spend all day preaching about how to tithe and how to give. Because here's the, here's the matter. If we don't love, what does it matter anyways? You can have forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 sitting in the bank, but if we're not giving it to in love to the, our community, to the world, in the name of Jesus, what's the point? We have to be a people who are loving. Every decision we make must be made in love. I know we have to be practical. I get that. That's not my point. What I'm saying is that as a church, are we going to be Ephesus? Or are we going to be a group of believers who go down a little bit different in history? That people are going to say, you know what? They, they plowed those fields. They, 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 uh, you know, they were cutting that sod. They were loving Jesus until when? Until he came back. They were powerful up until the very moment they, that the trumpets were blown. Up until the very moment when the, the graves came open, that church was on fire for Jesus Christ. That's what I want our story to be. That's what I want our story to be. They did a lot of things right, but they missed one point. Well, where'd they go wrong? Where'd they go wrong? You see at this time of year going into playoffs in football, um, you'll have teams, right? And they're, they're, they'll be like, what do we do right this year? <laughs> right? Well, what did you do right? Well, we won more games than the other people. Okay, yeah, that's true. But I think what we need to get in our minds is that we do need to look at our lives on a personal level. What did I do right? What can I do better? What we can do right and what we can do better is to love Jesus more. To read our Bibles. No, not just read it, but, but study it. We need to be people who say, say we pray. No, we actually pray. That, that if there's something going on, we stop right then and there and we pray right then. We become a people who are consistently in conversation with our God. We need to be a people who are very, very comfortable sharing our testimony. When was the last time you shared your testimony? I think I hear this a lot of times. People say this. They'll say, well, Daniel, I don't share my testimony because I'm just, it's not that powerful. That's one thing they'll say. Or, you know, 
I, I didn't go murder a bunch of people or, you know, anything. I don't, I wasn't a drug addict that went and, and like, you know, was a, was a gangster or anything like that. I didn't hang out with Tupac or anything. You know, we, we think, well, if you don't have that testimony, then our, our testimony is not very powerful at all. I want you to understand something that your testimony is powerful because it doesn't matter what you have or haven't gotten into. If you, if it weren't for Jesus, you would be going to hell. That's it. Your testimony is amazing in that way. It's amazing in that way. And people need to hear that. People need to see the hope and to hear that. But the problem comes back to, do we love people enough? Again, you can do everything. You can be the perfect tither here at church. You can never miss a a service. Uh, You can come every week. You can be a guy and come to the women's like crafts thing every week. You know, you can do all of that. You can be, I'm just a perfect Christian. I, I do everything right. I'm in the worship team. I help out with this. I help out with that. But if Christ's love is not within you, it is for nothing. Ephesus got it wrong there. Look at this. I want you to think about this for a moment. He tells you, he tells them, he says, you did all this right. Man, you couldn't bear with evil. Uh, you tested the teachings of people who turned out to be false prophets. Some, some people saying that they were apostles and he's like, oh, you proved them wrong. You did all of this. You found the truth, but you have abandoned your first love. All the above, man, it's, it's nothing without love. The ability to identify and oppose false teachers is meaningless, guys, if, if we're not matched with the fervent love for God. We can sit here all day and just criticize everyone around us, or we can love people. We can be people who really reach out in love and we do it all in love. And, and the one thing I, I love about our church is that we are, I mean, we, we have a very good system of making sure that whatever's taught here is based on the word of God. And we need to continue that. Not just so we can say, well, this is who we are, that we're fundamental or whatever. We or evangelical or Protestant, whatever you want to say. What we need to say is we do this because we love Jesus. That's the reason. That's the reason we do all of this. I mean, and you see here with those people, they miss that. But, you know, he tells them in this recourse, in this, in this letter, he writes to them and he says, Ephesians, you guys need to repent. And he mentions it twice. When your mama used to tell you things twice, what'd that mean? There wasn't going to be a third time. Third time's going to involve a spoon or something, right? But he tells them here twice to repent. In, in one verse, in verse five, he says, repent, repent. And he says, and do what? To do the works. He doesn't really specify exactly, but he says, I want you to do what you were doing. This, this letter meant something to these people. When they got this letter, they were like, they didn't have to guess like we are. Well, what does it mean to have good works? What were you doing before? Well, our testimonies are the same as the Ephesians. This may be your first day in church ever. This might be your first day in church in, in a long time. This might be your weekly time. You're always here. But the point of the matter is, is that we all must return to our first love. We have to. We have to do that. We have married people here, right? Anybody here married? Don't look too excited, men. The thing about somebody's back there shaking their hand really exuberantly. Now, one thing I've learned in our marriage is that when we don't communicate, that's when we have problems. Like Johnny and I, we don't have these big knockdown drag outs. We're a, we're a lot alike in so many areas, so we don't have like these differences. I mean, she thinks I'm awesome. I think I'm awesome. It's just, you know, it works out really well for us, right? Whatever. Whatever. But here's what I've learned in, in our marriage is that if we don't communicate, if we don't show love to each other, that's when we'll have problems, right? I think it's the same within the church is that when we're not loving on each other, our minds automatically go to a human concept where we think, well, that person, they didn't say anything to me. That preacher didn't shake my hand. That deacon didn't shake my hand. They didn't call me. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. When we live in that mentality, all of a sudden, everybody's an enemy to us. And we overcome that by loving each other. This isn't a business. This is a ministry. This is a work of Jesus. This is the body of Christ. This is what this is. And if we're not loving each other, we're going to miss out. Man, when I first came to you guys, and, and, and I remember coming and, and sitting in the meeting with the, with the search committee, and then when I got to meet everybody uh, in person, it was, like, it was like first love, you know, because I was like, man, I love these people. Like, they love Jesus, I love them. God's going to do some good stuff if this all works out. God's going God's gonna to do something through this building, through this, this, this body. I want you to understand something today, church. We have to get back to our first love, but to do that, we have to be repentant in our hearts. 
I know we, we've got some, some budgetary issues that we've been needing to talk about. We just kind of keep pushing off the side, you know. <laughs> That's okay. But, but, but I, the more I think about it, I think we need to really figure out who we are before we decide on budgets anyways. What, what's God telling us to do? What, what is God, what's his plan for us this year? What does he want us to do? And sometimes we kind of approach things backwards, right? But we need to put love first. See what I'm saying? And, and, and I don't say that today. I, guys, I love everyone here. But, but I want us to be a church who's on the right path. What happens? What happens when we lose our love? When we, when we, you know, we go to the side. Well, I think we've all probably experienced this. That sometimes we lose our first love by just mundane earthly business. You ever been busy before? You ever had, just had a bunch of stuff going on, and you're just like, you know what? The things of Christ just aren't top priority right then. We got to get out of that that mindset. You know, if you have time to flip through Facebook and watch the news every morning, you have time to read the Word. If you have time to talk about, you know, uh, Yellowstone or anything with your coworkers, you have time to talk about Jesus to those who don't know Christ. You do. Well, we make up these excuses. Well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to go to church on Wednesday. I don't have time to go to church on every Sunday. I don't have time to go to Sunday school. We have time. It's just where our priorities are at. Where is our love at? And get me here. I'm not trying to put conviction on people and say, well, if you're not doing this and I'm going to look down on you, that's, that's not how I pastor anyways. But the thing I want you to understand is that if Christ's love is not one, everything else will be. Christ's love is not priority, everything else will be priority. We have to put Jesus first. In Ephesus, they did this. They, they put everything else first. They were so busy, maybe even busy with church stuff, that they forgot what was important. And we can lose it just by earthly business. Just whatever's happening at the time. Um, sometimes we lose our first love by forming another love. We start looking around at something else that interests us, you know? I, I'm, I'm really bad about, um, I'll get on a tangent and I'm reading like intensely on an area. A few years ago, I read every book I could get my hands on about pirates. Your pastor is super cool. I'm reading books from the 1500s that nobody reads anymore. They put for free on Kindle. You know, I'm reading these books. I'm, I'm reading all about the pirate life because it's for me or, and all of that. You know, I'm reading all of this and, and there's, I, I went through it and went through it. And I went through it. And then all of a sudden, like there was a point where I kind of, I learned everything. I'm a pirate expert now. So what did I do? I went on to something else. I went on to World War II. I went into an in-depth study. So if you go in my office and you see Mein Kampf in my library, it's because I really went in-depth with World War II, like understanding like what went on there. Like how did so many people follow this sick individual? That book will make you sick, by the way. Studying into World War II and going in depth and I did all of that, you know. Sometimes we do that with Jesus though. There's a season in our life where we're so in love with Christ. It's all about Jesus. I remember back in the 90s, we had What Would Jesus Do, right? You had awesome Christian music back then. You had DC Talk, you had Audio Adrenaline, right? Yeah, Newsboy, you had all these bands that were just like amazing. They were preaching the gospel. I, I, I've been kind of going back through the 90s music um, in my mind and just thinking about, man, how much that influenced Daniel's mind back then. You know, you, you, had, you, had, you had people that were really just putting the truth out there. But sometimes we get so on fire with Jesus and then we go on to something else, something that's more interesting. I've seen it time and time again with, with musicians. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a time where they're, they're very powerful and then they just kind of turn their back on Jesus because they're going to they're gonna do something different. Church, hear me out. What we need and what you need is to go back to our first love, period. You don't need another program. You, you, we don't need to, you know, more technology. We don't need anything like that. What we need is more Jesus in our life. Many people, they lose that first love by being busy or they just find something else to love. Joni and I, we've realized over the years that we need date night. Those are rare and few between sometimes. But that connection that we have in our marriage life, I mean, if you take it spiritually, if we're taking time to be alone with Jesus, no, no three-year-olds running around, right? No dog in the backyard having puppies, Lord, help us. <laughs> I thought we had a really good dog catcher here in town, but apparently one dog got into our yard and got my dog pregnant. So we've got puppies. Anybody want a puppy? Come see me. <laughs> we've got five of them. So <laughs> y'all have four girls. I mean, y'all could really help us out. 
One dog. That would be perfect. Y'all just solved my. It's about to be violent. I'll just drop them off when they get weaned. It'll be okay. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> but I want you guys to think about this for a moment. We, we sometimes we just don't give Jesus the respect that's due him. Amen. I mean, honestly. Yeah, I, we, we, we say we're Christians. And guys, I'm not saying we're bad people, but we need to, we need to have a date night with Jesus. I know that sounds weird, but we need to have a date night with Jesus, right? We need to have a time every day where we're just sitting alone with Christ and getting into his word, hearing from him. Are you listening? I mean, again, it's, we, we sung that this morning, you know, we're about getting back to our first love and, you know, quiet my heart is listening. You know, in other words, we're getting to a point that we're saying, God, I just want to listen to you. We have to be there, church, or we're going to end up like Ephesus. There's, there's some dark form of worldly care, it seems like, but we need to be a people who just really focus on having Christ care for his church. We need that. There are many Christians who who do that. They just find something else to love. So how many of us lose our first love by little acts of thoughtlessness though, honestly? Maybe it's not even intentional. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but we're human and we make mistakes. Our brains malfunction sometimes. Some of us deal with ADHD, amen? Some of us chase squirrels, right? You didn't hear what I said? <laughs> we, we, some of us, we have these, these things that go on and our minds are just not perfect. You know, I, I do have a problem sometimes focusing. I do have those issues. I have to deal with it. You know, I have to figure it out. And spiritually speaking, I think we, we do that. We put our thoughts on other things. We're just jumping from here to here to here. No, we need to stop. And we need to get back to our first love. Are we doing that? Because I think if we really look at this story, the implications of what happens is really bad. Jesus, through John, says, hey, tell these people this, that if you don't, if you don't get your love story straightened out, if you don't, if you don't focus 100% on me, if you, if you don't get back to that first love, then I'm just going to remove that lampstand from you. And I, guys, again, you're going to hear it time and time again, but when I went to Ephesus, I mean, that lampstand's long gone. There's no light there. If anything, Turkey's a very dark place because of it. And I don't say that like, like in a negative American number one type of way. I mean, Turkey's a beautiful place. The people are wonderful. Honestly, Turkish people are way more friendly than Okies. They are. They're wonderful. But the light of Christ is not showing there. What what would have happened if the Ephesians would have kept on going? What would have happened if they would have got back to their first love? Maybe this group did, but we know at some point they lost it. We know. We know without a shadow of a doubt that they lost it. It was just went out the door. That thread of our lampstand being removed, that's, that's scary. It's it's serious. But it's understandable to the inhabitants of a city, which by the way, this was written to the Ephesians, right? And if you go there today, what's interesting is that these people were used to change. They'd had political changes time and time again. And they still deal with political change. There's political changes going on in that country right now. A, a physical change that happened in Ephesus was that all the rivers silted in. And so where they used to be like a seaport, now they were like six, eight, ten miles away from the ocean now. They were used to changes. And so when, when, when John's writing to them here and he's telling them, you need to, you need to be ready. You need to, you need to understand that there needs to be a change in your life because if you don't address it, some bad changes are going to happen. And he tells them that. He says that, that you need to get back to that first love to get back to, to where you need to be. That loss of the first love. I, I was thinking about this this week. What, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean for Daniel? If, if I was right now just to walk away from Jesus and just say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to take a break right now, Jesus, you know? You're like Ross and Rachel, Listen, we're on a break, right? So you're going you're gonna to step off to the side and you say, we're going to take a break for a little bit. We're going to take a break. What, what does that do when we spiritually check out from God? Well, first thing it does is it dishonors God. Do you think God wants a, a segregated relationship with you today? You think he's happy with that? I don't. I think, uh, you know, 
we used to sing the song, uh, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. I, I love that song because it reminds us of who Jesus is. He's not just a religious figure. He's just not out here floating on a cloud somewhere, but, but he's the one who really loves us. And if we walk away from it, it's going to hurt every single time. And it dishonors God. Jesus, he went to the cross for you and I today. Amen? He did. Like he endured what happened at the cross at Calvary, that, that real shedding of blood, that shedding of skin from the whipping, the way they beat him to where he didn't even look like a man. All this that they did to Christ, it dishonors what he did for you and I. And the message is clear today that if we, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, what happens? Salvation, right? There's a lot of people got weird ideas about how you're saved. You know how you're saved? You're saved by the blood of Jesus. That's how you're saved. I've told you guys years ago, I was preaching on the blood of Jesus. I think we sang, you know, nothing but the blood. We had this whole like bloody service, you know, we're just, <laughs> and, and it offended this, this guy. He comes in and after the service, he's like, I, that really offends me. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, it offends, it, it's offensive to talk about blood in church. And I was like, well, good. It is offensive. It's terrible. But he did it for you and I. He shed that blood that we might have life. And when we lose our first love, it dishonors God. It also does this. It deprives us of happiness. As, man, I can tell you the times in my life when I was the most unhappy. And it wasn't after a loss. It wasn't after the, the, the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys let me down again. It wasn't any of that stuff, right? It was exactly after I decided I didn't need to walk as close to Jesus. It causes a lack of happiness within us when we don't walk with Christ. You want happiness in your life? Get back close to Christ. The Bible teaches us that if we draw close to him, what does he do to us? He draws right back in. I got a little shit zoo puppy. And that dog, if I, she'll be in the floor. She'll be kind of sitting there looking at me. And I'm like, come on. Come on, Lottie. Yeah, Lottie Moon. I know we're Baptists. But I say, come on, Lottie Moon. And she jumps upon the couch and she'll just kind of lay into me. And I'll be kind of like, okay, like this. That dog will like, like melt into me, you know? The closer I get to her, the closer she gets to me. She's like Joni. That's why Joni is. I told Joni, Joni, I said, like Lottie's like, if you were a shit zoo, you would be her, you know? Because y'all just, the way you're just snuggly and you like to hug, you know? She is the same way. Guys, I want you to understand something today, that Jesus isn't just some savior who's just out here just away from you. He wants to be close to you. His desire is to be that way. And as a church, like if we can take it on a church-wide picture here, we ought to be so close to Jesus that, man, everything just flows. Why? Because his love is sufficient. His love is really what we need. And if we're apart from the love of Christ, we're going to be unhappy, period. Another thing I guess that we get from like the loss of love is this idea that it, it gives the enemy advantage over us. This is a big one for me. When you really think about ministry, right? When you think about personal life, if you're not loving Jesus, the devil's going to have his way. He's going to step in there and he's going to have his way. But when we abide in Christ, Christ is abiding in us. We're abiding in him. We're like all like, well, like, you know, like the way it's supposed to be. The devil doesn't have a foothold. Is he going to try stuff? Yep. Maybe he'll cause a storm, right? outside he'll do something he'll you know like spiritually speaking he'll, he'll do something to try to get our minds off of Jesus but he really cannot touch us when we lose our first love man we're just hurting ourselves and plus God desires that you and I have that with him if I were to ask this morning don't answer just be thinking about this as we as we as we begin to think about wrapping up this morning you guys know me too well Heart check. Where's your heart right now? What's you know? What's the level of, of love that you have? You know, like when you go to the Thunder game and they do the like, let's let's get ready to rumble, and they like call you know they they got that little, I think it's fake, but they'll show it on the big screens. It's like a like a, uh, uh, a, a what is it called? A volume meter, noise meter, you know, and it's like you know, and everybody's like doing this, and it's I think it's fake. I think they, it always plays the same thing. That's just my opinion, but but they're just doing this thing just to get everybody up and loud, you know. Like where where's your love for Jesus? Is it like not really existing, or man, are you busting that that top out of that place? Are you doing that? Because I think we ought to be, don't you? Like our love for Jesus ought to be just man, our cup runneth over. 
everywhere we go. And no matter where we go, like, the love of Christ is with us. I, I think about the thunder. I, I had the opportunity back in, um, in the 2000s. Journey's like, oh no, here he is. But, but back in the two, early 2000s, I, I worked for an engineering company and I got to do like all the testing on the Ford Center at the time, whatever it's called now, Paycom. Um, I got to do all the testing in that building. I like lived in Bricktown for like a long time. Um, but I, but I remember one of the tasks they gave me, my, my bosses came in and they said, hey, Daniel, are you afraid of heights? And I was like, well, yeah, kind of. And they're like, good. Um, well, you're going to go downtown and you're going to test every rivet on, on, on the expanses that they're putting across this building. That's well, like five stories in the air. And so your pastor got to walk across every beam and test with a hammer whether they did the rivets and everything right. So that's a, that's a claim to fame I have, right? So every time I go there, go to a concert, go to a game or something, I look up there and I'm, and Joni's like, yeah, I know you were up there. Um, but, but I, but I go to that place and I, I think about it like, you know, it's all still holding together because, not because of me, kind of, now it's going to fall in. You guys will be like, what's Daniel's fault? But, uh, but I, but I remember, you know, when I go to those places, I'm looking at that and I'm like, it's still all holding together. It hasn't, fall, it hasn't fallen in because there was a careful examination of what was going on. And church, we need a careful examination of what our lives are doing right now. We need to think about, is our love for real? And I know you love Jesus. I get it. But is your love on fire for Jesus, right? Is your love something that you're just not ashamed of? You know, you'll tell anybody. You'll, if the Lord right now told you, hey, I want you to move to 10 bucks too, you're going to be like, all right, let's go. I mean, are we at that spot in our life that our love for Jesus is so much it doesn't matter what comes our way, we're still just going to be flying right along in the name of Jesus? I, I hope it is because I think that's what the God, the God above, that's what he desires for us. The Lord wants us to have that. Are you taking those careful steps? Now I remember walking across those beams. I mean, you're five stories up. There's nothing under you. I had, had a couple tie-ons and I'm walking like this. Had an eight-pound sledge and you, and you go and you just test those rivets, every one of them. And it's like every 18 inches, something like that, they got it they rivet up to there. And I remember doing that and looking below and there's concrete trucks down there and, and people you know, on the ground, smart people are on the ground. And I'm up there doing all of that. But that careful examination allows for that building to still stand today. And church, we may need to just, you know, even if it's scary or it's something that feels really uncomfortable right now, we need to take that careful, careful examination as to where our heart is today. And I bring that up because, you know, we're going to go into like a basic planning meeting tonight. I think our, our, our leadership team, we're going to meet in another week. And then, you know, looking at these, you know, what is this, what is this year? What does it hold for us? How are we going to accomplish the work of the gospel in McLeod, Oklahoma? How are we going to do that? Well, it needs to start with a careful examination of our hearts and where our love level is for Christ. It needs to be there. And by the way, I want to end this sermon with a good point here. That if we're faithful to the end, it's a good thing. You, you read the Revelation, it's really scary, but you get to the end and who wins? You know? Like Jesus wins. Da-da-da! Like we forget that? Jesus wins! Do we forget that? Years ago when the Thunder were good, you know, we would, man, we were so pumped about the Thunder. We didn't know if they was going to win or not at the end of the season. We didn't know, but we still followed them. Can we not follow a Savior who's already won? Man, I, I think we lose that. We, we forget that point that, man, Christ is already victor. Let's follow him in the same way. What can we look forward to? What could that church look forward to? Here's what we can look forward to today. The last point I want us to look at this morning. We can look forward to redemption. We can look forward to redemption. In, in the scriptures there, it says right there at the very end, Jesus tells them, he says, um, verse seven, he says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Um, I think that's interesting because I think a lot of times we forget who John's writing to here. He could have, if he was talking to Jews or Christians, he could have just stopped with, I'll give you the, the keys or the, the opportunity to eat from the tree of life. He could have just stopped there. But he, he goes a little bit further. This is just a cool side note, I thought. Because he's writing to these people who are not necessarily, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're Gentiles. And he's writing to them and he says, I'll give you to eat from the tree of life, which is, I'm going to clarify which tree of life we're talking here, the paradise of God. That's interesting to me because when you're reading on the history of the area, um, and Jesse and I, we got to go to the temple of Artemis right there in Ephesus. Man, 
I would like to say it's really cool, but there's like one pillar and a grass field. That's it. But the Temple of Artemis was known for a tree of life that they had there. And the people would go to it and, oh, this is the tree of life. Oh, you know, and they, they got these spiritual like goosebumps off of it. They just thought it was awesome, this tree of life. And so John takes this moment, not just to, he grabs their attention with tree of life, but then he says, but it's in the garden of God. This, this word paradise or paradiso, it's a, it actually means garden. So he's saying here, you can partake in what God has in store for you in heaven, in his heaven, not some, not some temple that's going to fall down. And 2,000 years later, Daniel and Jesse are going to go there and go, well, this wasn't impressive at all. This is not what he was talking about. He's talking about the tree of life that is in the paradise of God, in the garden of God. Guys, can I remind you this morning that as believers in Jesus Christ, you are blessed? You're, you have hope. The world has no hope. You have hope because our Savior reigns supreme. He reigns supreme. And if you have an ear, hear. Hear what the Spirit's saying. Because to those who conquer, to those who persevere through the end, to those who make a point to say, you know what, I'm going to love Jesus with my whole heart. There's a blessing in that that we get to be in the garden of God. I, I, that's just beautiful to me to think in the garden of God. Being an Oki, um, grew up growing gardens, right? My parents used to have like a five-acre garden. That was ridiculous. But we had a five-acre garden back in the day, right? That garden, even today, when I go to, to, to our land down there, and there's just, it's like a, there's a, some guy keeps horses on it now, you know? But even when I go by there, there's just like these really like, like beautiful memories that I have. Because in that garden, we shared time together. In that garden, we grew food that we ate together. In that garden, we grew things that we were able to bless other people with, right? The garden of God is a beautiful place like that, but times a million. The garden of God is a, is a blessing because God has prepared that for you and I today. I honestly, in my mind, I know we talk about mansions and all that, and everybody's like, well, I can't wait to get my mansion. Some of you Southern Gospel, you're like, well, I just want a cabin in the corner of glory land. Okay, so we all got these different views of what heaven's going to be like. I think probably the accurate view of heaven is we're all going to be face down worshiping God. I think that's really what it's going to be like. But for me, like, the garden speaks to me, right? I mean, it's a very, it's a prepared place. Um, it's a place of beauty. It's a place of uh, uh, where, where you're provided for. Like, I think about that garden and if we persevere, what can we look forward to? We get to go to the garden of God. We're not talking the myriad botanical gardens. That's a beautiful place, right? We're not talking about grandma's garden. We're, we're talking about the garden of God that we are promised that. So what do you and I need to do? Well, here comes that call, right? Here's the homework we have to do. The first thing I would say to do is we need to remember, remember, what do we need to remember? Well, he cautions the church here. Remember your first love. Guys, I, I, whenever you first came to Jesus, think about it. You know, for me, I was, I was nine years old. I just got home from, from camp. That's what I remember is like the first time I really remember. Like, and I grew up in a Christian home. Like I had a lot of good times in Jesus. I, you know, I could sing, uh, you know, I could sing Zacchaeus like backwards. You know I mean? I was that Christian kid, right? I knew all of this stuff. But what we do need to know today, what we need to, to be reminded is to remember the love. To remember what Christ has done for us. To remember that we're not a hopeless people. To remember that, you know, whether, you know, 80 people are here today or 50 people, you know, it just doesn't matter. What matters is that today, are you leaving here knowing who your Jesus is? Are you remembering? We need to remember to review the past, to call to mind that sweet, that delicate, that blooming affection that we had with Jesus in our first love. That's what we need today. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I think about the old days sometimes, I just say, man, those are the good old days, right? I hear people say it all day. Well, man, that's back in the good old days, back when Andy Griffith was on TV, you know? I've reminded people this before. There, there's never been a good old days, really, in our world. People were like, well, back in the... 30s, that was a good old days. Oh, like when you could die of polio? Yeah, those were great days. I can't wait to go back there. Oh, we used to segregate people based on their skin color? Wonderful, right? There's never, this world has been plagued by sin for a long, long time. And the good old days for you and I is when we first came to Jesus. 
That's it. Because it is in those moments when we first saw the light that all those sins melted away. Don't forget that. Remember. Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember that, that beauty that happens when, when Christ intercepts a heart that is lost. We need to remember. Point two, I would say, is we need to repent. I know you're a bunch of good Baptists here. I get it. Some of you are like, well, I mean, I was, you know, I was in Sunday school this morning. You're telling me to repent? Yep. We all need to repent. Well, repent, we kind of think of it, that's just a term just for sinners. Yep, well, we're all sinners, so it applies. Okay, so repent means literally just to turn away from doing things the wrong way. To do it the exact opposite. To go the other direction. To, to try something different. To repent. This doesn't mean crying. It doesn't mean weeping. It doesn't mean confessing. It doesn't mean throwing yourself into some kind of crazy frenzy. But it means that you have a change in your spirit and a purpose in life. Guys, we need to repent. We need to repent. I, I'm excited about the meeting tonight, but I, I hope we all come with repentant hearts because, man, I really think that us as a church, we can do some things that are just revolutionary to our area. I'm not talking about, well, you know, well, let's do this. Let's, you know, let's do vacation Bible school. Yeah, let's do it. But what are some like revolutionary ideas for, for vacation Bible school, right? Sandra and I, we were talking this week. We we're like, man, we, we got this really neat like uh, kids program on Wednesday night, but we're not going and picking up kids and bringing them here. We're just kind of expecting everybody just to show up. Well, they ought to show up. We're Baptists. Why wouldn't they show up? Well, we need to be out there. We need to be at work, right? We need to do that. We need to be people who are out there working in, in, in the fields and literally not doing things maybe the same way we've always done it. But we need to repent and to do something new, to have a change in spirit, to have a purpose in life. We need to repent. Do you remember? Have you repented? Do you need to repent? The last thing I would say is to do this is to replicate. John tells the church in Ephesus, he says, do the things that you first did. Now, we don't really know what that was. I don't know if they had like, coffee in the sanctuary or what but they did something really cool at the beginning right and he says stop you gooberheads stop and go back <laughs> go back to what you did at the first when you were growing when, when things were, were vibrant when you didn't have all these problems go back to that go back to what you did at first and, and I think we could say well is it programming is it what they did, physically did no I think here's what he's really saying go back to that first love you're doing all this stuff and you're probably still doing it you know as a, as a church we can we can do camp every year. We can do BBS. We can do, you know, uh, uh, senior adult ministries. We can do uh, Sunday school. We can do worship. We can do all these things year in and year out. But if we're not back to the first love, it's really not going to accomplish much. It's not about just being here. It's about seeing Jesus lifted up. The best way we can do that is to get back to our first love. Ephesus today, I'll tell you guys, I went there. It is a very silted in area. You see this beautiful, I think Jesse showed pictures of the road that kind of led into the Colosseum there at Ephesus. And, and, and there was just like a street that came in and it held and you went into the actual city and there's big libraries and all these different, you know, places, these uh, uh, buildings, there's houses, there's, there's temples to other gods. I, I saw a statue of Medusa there. <laughs> Pretty cool. But anyways, you see all this stuff in that city, but uh, it dried up, literally dried up. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, it, you know, it just doesn't exist anymore. It literally dried up. The, the sea went away, and it just everything dried up. And for the church there, he's like, look around what's going on in your community. Don't do that spiritually. I could look at America and say, man, what is going on with America? Our politicians, I know there's, there's left and right, there's, there's Republican, there's Democrat, but they even can't get along in order to serve us anymore. You notice that? There's, there's like this big contention in America. It's like a, like a, almost like a civil war drawn line that this is who you're either this way or you're this way. We do that in the church sometimes and we need to remember that we're all the same. We're all one in Jesus. Every one of us. You may be called to one area of the church and somebody else may be called to another. You may be able to give. You may be able not to give. You may be able to be all this. But here's the thing I think the call for first McLeod is today. Remember your first love and come together see what God can do. Do we serve a big God? I think we do. I'm pretty big on him. I think we serve a big God. Today, as we're, as we're about to wrap this up, I, I want to I I call you to a thought. 
Um, I'm going to call you to the thought. Joni and I, we probably like a lot of you married folks, we like to go and drive around places that we used to live or used to, you know, our old stomping grounds, right? We, we've done that so many times over the years. We like to just take off driving, remember our old stomping grounds. Um, since we've moved up here, Joni's got to go explore all my old stomping grounds because I was, I was from up here. But uh, wasn't too long ago, we drove up to Edmond because in our first year, two years of marriage, we lived in Edmond. And we drive around like where we used to live and you know, all these these memories, like parks we would have you know birthday parties in and, 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 and like places we used to eat. And the one thing I noticed when we were driving around Edmond, it's not even the same place as when I lived there. That's just been just 20 years ago, but it has been 20 years ago, right? Man, I'm getting old. Somebody said the other day that Amarillo by morning is 40 years old today. yesterday, I think it was. I was like, man, it makes me feel old. George Strait, what happened, man? I go to Moore today. Moore was, man, that was my hangout place. I used to cruise 12th Street. Um, it's not the same place as it was when I was a kid, you know? Everything changes. But the one thing that hasn't changed or shouldn't change is our love for Christ. My prayer for you, my prayer for us as a church is that we return to that. You know, we could say, well, let's have a revival. Yeah, let's have a revival, but let's get back to that first love first, right? Let's do that first. Revival's not just getting a guy to come in here and preach or a music group to come in and sing. Revival's when our hearts are completely repentant, completely remembering what Christ has done for us, and we're completely doing something different than maybe we've done in a while. You know, coming together and being positive about who Christ is and preaching that to the world. I, uh, while we were in Turkey, I was amazed because we would just go up and just tell people what Jesus has done for us. What has Jesus done for you, you know? We get asked that question. So we tell these people, well, this is what Christ did for me. You know, I was a sinner. I was lost. I didn't have happiness. I was without peace. And then God brought me to a place where there's happiness and joy. And those people would respond to that like, oh, wow. You know why? Because they never heard that before. And as much as I think people around here would not listen to that, I believe they will because I think some of them need to hear that too. They need to taste and see what the Lord has done. Church, may we taste and see today. May we remember that first love. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Your word has spoken to us today on this level that, Lord, may we return to our first love. And we not forget what you've done for us, that your, your mercies are new every morning, God. Your love doesn't wane or turn old. Your love is completely new every single day. Lord, our cities around us change, our times change, but Lord, you never change and your love is still faithful to us year in and year out. Lord, may we return to our first love and God, may we continue to do the things that you've called us to here. God, I pray if there be anyone here today who does not know you, someone who may even be listening later, God, I pray that you would speak to their heart as only you can. She would call them to repentance. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts today. In your most holy name.